Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. So good to be in the house of the Lord and I greet you too if you are joining us online. Thank you uh, for making us part of your uh, Sunday worship experience. Thank you for bringing your faith to combine it with ours, man. It's a beautiful thing when we can come together and worship the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Before we get started, I just um, uh, wanted to follow through with the sense uh, that we had in the, in, the, in the first service, and I believe it applies um, for us here also. Just a, a sense of um, uh, that, that as, as we're going into, or as we are really in this kind of festive Christmas season, and it's, it's, a, it's a time of reflection, a time of enjoying and slowing down and, 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 uh, and being spoiled with gifts and all of these amazing things. But, but there are some of us who, who, are, who are coming into the space with anxiety uh, and, and the anxiety uh, of provision uh, because you are thinking about the fact that uh, your, your provision is not where you would, you would like it to be, your finances are not where you'd like them to be, or perhaps you are out of work coming into uh, the Christmas uh, season, and you're concerned about going into the new year, what that means for you. And I just wanted to pause a little bit and pray for you, um, if, uh, if, if, if that is you. So can I ask if, um, if you're trusting God for work, uh, you're trusting God for provision, if you'll please stand as we, um, as we uh, pray and just minister to, to one another. Thank you, Father. And, and as is our custom, friends, that we, we, we never stand alone. So if there are people around you, please get around them. And, uh, yeah, and uh, maybe you want to, what you want to do is just raise your hands as, you, uh, as an act of receiving. If you are receiving prayer so that people know to come around you and pray for you. So please make sure no one is standing alone uh, and that everybody uh, has somebody praying for them. And as we pray, Really what I'd like you to do is, yes, pray, but also just, just release a sense of peace and the goodness of God over the people as you're praying for them. And that's as simple as just kind of extending your hand towards them and saying those words, I release the peace of God over you. I release the provision of God over you. Those, those good blessings that you pray for them, it's as simple as that, that you, you're literally just releasing what God is saying and what God is doing over those people, that each and every person will know and experience the goodness of God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we know that it is your will that each and every one of us be provided for, that you are a God who provides for our daily bread. You see your children who are trusting you for work. I pray, Father, that you would open doors. I pray, Lord, that your grace would surround and abound them. Lord, that you'd go before them. I pray for favor, favor for interviews, favor for success in interviews. Father, those who are trusting for promotion, I pray for favor. Those who are trusting for increase, I pray for favor. Blessings, blessings, blessings upon them, Lord. Thank you, Father, that you fight the battles on their behalf. Thank you, Lord, that you call those who may even feel like they've lost heart to believe again, to believe again to believe again and to trust you that you will come through for them, that you will break through. Thank you for those who have stepped out in faith and started businesses, that you see them too and that you 
uh, go before them and that you've cultivated the soil around them and that you cause them to bear fruit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friends. We're trusting God for, for testimonies to come out of this space. And by the way, if you're online and that was a prayer that you, you resound with, please just put your, your name on the chat section and just uh, ask that we, we stand with you for prayers, uh, in prayer for, for, for work. So we know to pray for you also, and we can pray for you uh, by name. We, we trust that God is a God who answers prayer. Amen. And so there are testimonies that are going to be coming out of phone calls and invitations to interviews. That, that phone call, that yes phone call that you've been expecting. We're trusting that you are going to receive that yes phone call that you have been waiting on in Jesus' name. Um, you can uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 1. And uh, we are starting on a new series, uh, Miraculous Births, and this is our Christmas series. We're very excited about this series and really exploring uh, uh, miraculous happenings in and around the time of the birth of Jesus as we head towards, um, towards the Christmas season. This, the particular uh, miraculous birth that we're going to be looking at uh, together this morning is that of John the Baptist with a particular focus on uh, his parents and their journey towards anticipating uh, a miracle. And so in the new year, uh, we are going to be digging deep miracle wells. We're going to spend the year, uh, next year, uh, the, the theme for next year is miracles. And so we're, we're trusting God for miracles from January all the way through to December that we're going to be celebrating miracles. So we want to start to dig those wells now and, and create the room in ourselves now to be able to receive the miracle deposits that God has for us in the new year. And as we're trusting for miracles, it is good that, that we also are positioning ourselves for miracles, that we are anticipating miracles. No use saying that we're trusting for miracles, but we don't anticipate the miracle. We don't, we don't, we don't prepare for the miracle. We don't position ourselves for the miracle. But when we're saying we're trusting God to do a thing, then we position ourselves for the thing. Amen. And so as we are anticipating miracles, uh, I would like to take us uh, to Luke chapter 1, verse 5, and we'll read through to 17. And it reads thus, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. 
and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the, prison, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Amen. That's the word of the Lord. It, 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 is, it is amazing. Zechariah is in the temple and he's ministering in the temple. The angel appears to him and makes th- these promises to him which are miraculous. What I want us to do is to study and learn from, from Elizabeth and Zechariah how we may stand in a position of anticipating the miracle. We would all want, I'm sure, that encounter where we're, we're busy with our work, we're busy at the thing that God has called us to do, and behold, an angel stands before us. We think we want that until we read the scriptures. Everybody, almost everybody, who had an angelic experience, the angel has to say to them, do not fear. Why? Because when the angel appears, you're struck with fear. Some places in scripture it says people fell as dead. Like, do I want an angelic thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how's my heart? <laughs> but uh, Zachariah had this experience. And in the, in the opening line of our scripture, it says this, In the days of Herod. Now, that in the days of Herod is a historical marker. The scriptures are giving, giving us an idea of about when these events took place. When did they take place? In the days of Herod. Here's the thing. The days of Herod were not a good time for you if you were a Jew. It was an exceptionally difficult time because you had lost your national identity. You, 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 were, you were not a, a, a kind of a, a sovereign nation, but had become a province of Rome, essentially. You, you had very limited uh, uh, economic expression, because whatever money you made was heavily taxed. In fact, it was double or triple taxed sometimes. Uh, and, and so, economically, it was a difficult time, and there were external influences threatening your religious identity. And so on, on every front, you, you, you felt like there was pressure and things are not working out. We are not where we thought we would be as a nation. That was the narrative that, that, that you held if you lived as a Jew in the time, in the days of Herod. And when we think about our time today, when we think of the, the, the times that we live in today, in the days of, who's, is it in the days of Simon? But I, I'm, not, I'm not sure. When we're living in the days of Simon, I didn't want to, I, I wanted to skirt past that one. <laughs> It may, it may feel like we can draw some similarities from what they experienced. 
where there is a constant financial crunch, a, a, a constant sense of I need to work and run harder, but I don't see the fruits, a constant sense of we're believing, but we don't see the, 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 the kind of the hope that we're, that we're believing for. Things seem to be getting worse, and, and, and it, it, it can seem like what happened to the hope that we had as a nation? What happened to the promises that we held onto? What happened to that idea of being a model nation that the world would look at and admire? What happened to being the rainbow nation? What happened to all of that stuff about reconciliation and forgiveness? Why are we so deeply divided? Why does it feel like we're more divided now than we've ever been before? Why does it feel like it's economically harder now than it's ever been before? Why does it feel like we're living in more doom and darkness now than we've ever been before, pun intended. <laughs> when we look at the situation of the Israelites, when we look at the time of Herod, for, for Elizabeth and for Zechariah, this was the backdrop for a miracle. And if it was a backdrop for a miracle for them, then saints, the times that we find ourselves in today are the backdrop of a miracle for us. We are a people of resilience. We are a people of hope. My son and I have a, a haircut day. And, uh, and uh, on the weekend, we went, um, we went for, for a haircut and we sat next to, to uh, a lady in the, in the, in the barbershop and she uh, was visiting South Africa from Germany. And so we got to talking and, oh, how are you finding South Africa? And uh, it was a good chat. Inevitably, we got to talking about the issues um, of South Africa, uh, specifically load shedding. And uh, so how are you experiencing load shedding? And isn't that just like mind-boggling for you? And she was like, yes, I'm struggling to like, understand what that's about. But then she says something interesting. She says, uh, uh, I was she, says she was talking to some of her friends and they said this to her. They said, yeah, but next year it's going to be better. And, and, and she looks at me and she says, is that a thing? Do you think, do you think next year is going to be better? I said, lady, next year is always better. That's who we are as South Africans. Welcome to South Africa. Next year is always better. Next year is always my year. Next year I'm always coming into a new season. Next year I'm walking in a harvest. And the following year, I'm walking in a harvest. And the next year, it's I'm walking in hope. And the following year, it's getting better. We are a people of hope and resilience. You know, I laughed because uh, 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 when I reflected on when we first went into COVID, people were mocking us as Christians because we had done the, it's my year, you know. It's my year, and then COVID hit. And, and, and people were mocking us as Christians for, oh, well, there you go, it's your year, and... Um, and, and, uh, and, and the, world, the world shut down. I want to encourage you. D don't let the world mock you out of who you are. You are a people of hope. You are a people who proclaim life despite what you see around you. So is it your year in the, the, 2023? Is 23 your year? 2023 is your year. Why? 2022 was your year. You, you know what 2024 is? Your year. <laughs> Because, because whatever, whatever the backdrop is 
It doesn't matter how bad it gets, it's a setup for a miracle. It says in the scriptures, when they introduced to us uh, this, this couple, that, uh, that, that Zechariah was a priest and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. So the first things that we're told about, about this couple is that they are priestly. That the husband is a priest and the wife is a daughter of the, uh, is, is of the daughters of, of Aaron. And so that's one of the first things that we learn about them. And what I, what I want you to, to keep in mind as we paint this picture is, is what you think about who you are matters. What you think about who you are matters to the miracle. It matters. We, we are trusting for miracles. We're trusting for a miraculous year. But what you believe about yourself matters to whether we're going to see that fruition or not. And so what we told about this couple is that they are priestly. I was reflecting on this, and, and it amazed me that, you know, there's, there's two families that I can think of, and potentially there's more, but there's two families that I can think of in Scripture who are, who are greatly honored in the Scriptures. One is the family of Aaron, because through the family, through the line of Aaron, God set up the priesthood and the line of the priests. And, and, and the other is the family of David, because through the, the family of David, God set up the line of kings. Here's the beautiful thing. Through Jesus Christ, we become the line of priests and kings. So who, who are we? We are priests and we are kings. Why that matters is, firstly, because when we know who we are, it impacts how we live out our lives. Secondly, it matters because a king decrees. A priest Bring supplication and petition before the Lord. Now, when we're trusting God for miracles, as kings and priests, what are we doing? We are decreeing and we are petitioning. On one hand, we're petitioning God for, for miraculous outcomes. On the other hand, we're decreeing that it is so. That matters because if we forget who we are, we begin to beg. And we're trusting God for miracles, but we're begging. As if it is not our birthright. But that happens if we neglect or we, we don't know who we are. This couple were of a priestly line. We are of priests and kings. Miracles are your birthright. When you ask for God for miracles, you are doing an appropriate thing. Do you know that asking God for miracles outside of context is audacious. Somebody on the outside of the family asking God for a miracle is audacious. Somebody on the inside of the family asking God for a miracle is appropriate. Because it is based on relationship. Right? It is not... We, 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 are, we are not... We're not praying prayers that are seemingly humble. You know, so we pray, we pray those prayers, Lord, I'm so grateful for just the little that you've given me. And if this is all you ever give me, oh, I'm, I'm just content. I'm not even going to put my head up and trust for anything more. Because who am I to waste your time with things? You have, you have so many more important things to worry about, and I'm going to come and waste your time with my petitions. 
Those are slaves' prayers. Those are the prayers of people who don't know who they are. Sons and daughters walk in and petition the Father. As a priest, I'm petitioning. As a king, I'm decreeing. Let it be so. That is who we are. That is how we see miracles. Now watch this. If we don't look after that, do you know who comes in and tries to intercept our inheritance? The accuser. We have an accuser of the brethren. His name is Satan. And he, the, the word says he accuses us before God. But it is, a, it is a fruitless endeavor to accuse us before God because all accusation was settled at the cross. So do you know what he does? He shifts from his focus on accusing us before God and he begins to accuse us before ourselves. So he begins to try to convince you that you are not who you really are. Why? Because if he can get you to believe that you are not who you really are, then you will forfeit what is yours. See, he cannot, he cannot take away your inheritance. That is settled. It's done. It's yours. But what he can do is get you to relinquish it. And so you walk away from your identity. You forget that you are a priest and a king and you begin to behave as a slave. And you get the portion of a slave and no longer the portion of the king and the priest. That is why it's important for us to carry our identity strong when we're trusting for miracles. Because we understand that what we're asking for is what is already ours. When I'm asking for God to heal you, the the very fact that we can walk in healing is my right. When I'm asking God for provision, I am not asking for anything inappropriate. When I'm asking God to promote me, I'm not asking God for anything inappropriate. When I'm asking God to prosper us as a nation, I'm standing as a priest and as a king. When we stand against the naysayers and the doomsday prophets who talk about South Africa is going to fail, and we stand against that, and we say, no, we preach the gospel and the light of God, do you know what we're doing? We're behaving as priests who hold the line and say, no, that is not our portion. And then when we begin to declare that God is going to bring prosperity over this nation. God is going to bring down the crime levels in this nation. God is going to make sure that every single person who belongs to this community is out of poverty. You know what we're doing? We're declaring as kings. It is our birthright. What you believe about yourself matters in the miracle. Now, what we're told about this cup, excuse me, is that they were old and without a child. They were old and they were without a child. And then we go, hang on a moment. Did we not just read in the scripture that this couple was descended from a priestly line, righteous and blameless before God? How are they priests, righteous and blameless and without fruit? How do we make sense of that? Answer me this. How many miracle moments have you forfeited because you mistook them for judgment? You saw the lack. 
You saw the un- unanswered prayer. You saw what God was doing for somebody else, and you assumed that God favored others above yourself. And you assumed that God had forgotten you. And you assumed that your, po- your lot is to accept whatever crumbs fall from the table. And you did not recognize that even in the place of scarcity, God was making place for a miracle. Because if you had recognized it, you would have even praised God for that very scarcity. But what do we do? We, we, we curse God. We bring judgment on ourselves. We decide that God has forgotten us, we, and we become angry, and we make bad decisions. Because we misinterpreted what we saw as the scarcity relative to what God is doing over there. We're going, ah. Look at, and have you ever prayed those prayers that you close your eyes and you pray, God, give this to me, and you open your eyes and he drops it in someone else's lap? <laughs> <laughs> and you close your eyes again and you pray and he drops it into this person and you're thinking, what on earth is going on? God hears other people's prayers above my own. And we interpret that for judgment. Zachariah did not interpret that for judgment. How do we know? Well, he was found faithful. He was found faithful. Because what do we do? What do we do? When things don't work out the way that we had wanted them to work out or expected for them to work out. What do we do? We, we, we revolt. We rebel. We get angry. We get silent. We get distant. We try and emotionally manipulate God. We do, all of, we do everything else except for, let me be found faithful. Let me be found faithful. I was reading the scripture and, and I started to think about disappointment. I mean, uh, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying and trusting God for a child. And, and the scriptures tell us at this point that they were old. They were, they were advanced in years. And so we know that they would have been praying for a very long time with no fruit. And so I'm asking myself, were they, were, were they disappointed? Were they disappointed? Scripture doesn't, doesn't illuminate on that fact, but I'm asking, Lord, were, were they disappointed? And, and here's my thing with disappointment. That, that essentially, disappointment has to do with unmet expectation, right? Unmet expectation. And so therefore, I am disappointed. But, but then I come to this as I'm reflecting and I'm, as I'm going through the scriptures and I'm asking these questions. I'm going, okay, so if this disappointment is related to unmet expectation, whose expectation? Whose expectation? My expectation. My unmet expectation. So I'm going, okay, so what does that tell me about where I've placed myself in the narrative? Squarely in the center. The story is about me, and God is, is, my, is the sidekick. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I've built this narrative where it's my agenda, my ambitions, 
my will and my way in my kingdom empowered by God. So I live in this sense of disappointment and I feel justified by the way. Why? Because he hasn't done what I told him to do. Let that just... (laughs) What should we be doing? We should, in that moment, by the way, see that reflection as God's mercy. Him as he leads us into this reflection, that's his mercy because it's an opportunity for you to do something about it. Anytime you're faced with your own shortcomings or your own sin and you recognize it, that's God's mercy because it's an opportunity to respond. And so we go, okay, I need to actually remove myself from the center of the story and recognize that it was never about me. It's his narrative that I get to be a part of. Oh, okay, well, that changes things a little bit. But let's come back to disappointment. Does that mean that I'm saying that you shouldn't feel disappointed with things that have not worked out in life? My reflection was this. I think disappointment is a natural part of life. It's human for us to feel disappointed. To say don't feel disappointed would be to set, set each other up for failure. The difference is, Are we disappointed or are we living in disappointment? Disappointment is a natural response to unmet expectations or the things that happen and I feel the disappointment and then I get to have an opportunity to reflect. Why am I feeling this disappointment? What are the unmet expectations? Whose expectations were they? Where did they come from? Do I need to rearrange the order of priority? Do I need to actually get off the throne and allow the actual owner of the throne to take the throne? What do I need? We get to ask ourselves these difficult questions because if we don't ask ourselves these difficult questions and we don't do the work, then we live in disappointment. What does it look like when we live in disappointment? We become doubtful people. We become sad and angry people. We become people who are distant from God. We become people who are angered by the idea of God coming through for somebody else. We become people who want to consciously separate ourselves from the presence of God. When we are living, allowing ourselves to live in disappointment, we, our hearts become calloused and hard. And so, saints, if we are live, we cannot live in disappointment and expect miracles. They don't go together. Because the disappointment is going to create an offense in your heart that's going to make it almost impossible for you to receive from God. Or to take part in, his, in the move of His Spirit. Why? Because the entire time you're going to be expecting failure. The entire time you're going to be hesitant. You're not bringing your faith. You're bringing doubt. You're questioning. You're critiquing. You're looking for those cracks. You're you're not participating with your full faith. And so, if you find that that applies to you, that you are living disappointed, this is a, a Holy Spirit moment. 
for you to do something about it. It's God's mercy. It's not shame. It's not a, for you to re- realize your shortcoming and then feel shame. That's the wrong response. Recognize it. Thank you, Lord. Now let's work. Let's do something about it. It says, says uh, uh, that, uh, that, that Zechariah was chosen by Lot. That means he was randomly selected to, uh, to, to be a part of the service team that were ministering uh, in, in the temple. And I have to ask myself, uh, again, as I'm reading the scripture, what, was he chosen by Lot or was this a divine appointment? Did God set this up? And you know, we, 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 um, we, we pray and we're faithful. And, and, and as, or let me say this, as we're praying and as we are faithful in the things of God, and God begins to come through for you, do you know what it looks like to somebody looking from the outside? It looks like chance. It looks like luck. It looks like you were at the right place at the right time. It looks like you had the right connections. It's everything else except for the fact that God heard your prayer from the first day and is bringing it to fruition. And so there are some of your prayers that are going to be answered in this new year that God is going to be bringing into fruition. Do you know what people are going to say when you walk in the fruits of your prayers? You're so lucky. You're so lucky. I wish I had your luck. You, 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 I wish I had your connections. I wish I had your charisma. If, you had, if I had your charisma, then the people would like me, would, would, would like me and I would be this. I wish I, I wish I looked like you because, because people just look at you and they like you. I wish I was attractive like you because attractive people, well, they get the, the, the carpet rolled out for them. And you get to say, well, yes, I'm attractive, but I'm also favored. <laughs> You're so lucky. No, I'm not lucky. I'm blessed. Wow, your timing is great. It's not my timing. It's divine appointment. God heard my prayer from the first and is bringing it into fruition. That's what is going to be our testimony. When, when Zechariah went in, into the temple to minister. You know what, what was happening outside? Scripture says that there was a multitude of people who were praying. There's a multitude of people who were praying. Hey, if you're trusting God for miracles, if you want to see miracles, you want to see the supernatural, not just every so often, but we want to see the supernatural move of the Holy Spirit as, 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 a, as a natural part of our daily living. Do you know what? It's not going to come without prayer. If we're lazy to pray, we're not entering into miracles. Zachariah didn't enter in by himself. He, well, he did enter in by himself, but he had a prayer support. There were a multitude of people that were praying at the time that he entered in. So what was the context of the angel coming down? It was within the context of prayer and service. As we are prayerful, all of us are moving in prayer and we are faithful in that which God has called us to do. You know what happens? We find this beautiful place of overlap where the things that we're praying for are the things that are on God's heart. Miracles happen in those moments. And so when, we, when our eyes are still set 
on that which is squarely of concern to us, we've got a way to go. But when we are prayerful, remember those people who were gathered around, we're not, ga- we're not sitting in their homes kind of praying for their daily bread. Our daily bread is important, but they were gathered around the temple praying. And, and the priest goes in and he ministers miracles. What happens? An angel comes down and delivers miraculous news. Delivers this miraculous news. Why? Because if the people are to believe that a virgin can give birth to a savior, then they probably should first believe that an old lady can give birth to a son. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear your son. Will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. I, I, I love something that I want to point out to you here. When God answers Zechariah's prayer, the, the, the scripture initially said that they were, they were without a child because Elizabeth was barren. When God answers their prayer and meets their desire for a child, he does not do so by replacing Elizabeth. He does not do so in a way that we would conceive to do. And so what do we do when this, man, we've, we, we, we've, been, we've been trying so hard and things haven't been working out, there is justification to try somewhere else. Okay, let's move past the children. We have been trying to find connection and to be relational and to, and, to, and to be intimate in this marriage for so long and we just can't find each other. We have reached the point of irreconcilable differences. We're justified to walk away and try over here. I know, it's toes that I'm stepping on. I felt it. Did you see me apologizing? No. Send Pastor Simon the emails. Fact is, our pain is no justification to do our own will. And so we, we, have, we, we have bought into this thing, right, as a society and it's become progressive that, that because of my lived experience, because of my pain, I am justified. So because Pastor Simon said something I don't like, I am justified to walk away. I'm no longer part of that church. No, you're not. You're not justified. You can walk away, but you're not justified. Because my spouse hurt me and, and he or she was treating me this way, I am justified in the actions that I'm about to take. No, you're not. No, you're not. You can take those actions. You can step out of your marriage. You can form a a bond with somebody else. You can find unhealthy ways of of coping and coping mechanisms. You can do those things. 
you're just not justified. You can't take that before God. You can never stand before God and say, well, Lord, I did all of these things. The reason I did all of these things, the reason I, was, I didn't commit to the spiritual community that you gave to me was because. You can't say, the reason I've committed adultery in my marriage was because he or she did. No, it doesn't stand. It doesn't stand before God. It doesn't stand. And so, Zechariah prays, and the angel comes, and he meets him and says, your prayer was answered. Do you know that the prayer that was answered is not the prayer that Zechariah was praying in the temple? The prayer that was answered is a prayer that Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying for decades. And so, the prayer that, 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 that they had prayed right at the beginning was an investment prayer. What do I mean by that? It's a prayer that sowed seed that would bear fruit sometime in the future. And so we sometimes are guilty of walking around disappointed because we prayed a prayer that didn't bear fruit today. I prayed the prayer, I did the thing, I got my hands laid on, I did what I was supposed to do, but the prayer wasn't answered. So now I'm disenfranchised, I'm angry, I'm doubtful, I'm all of these other things, I'm living disappointed. Because I failed to recognize that there's a difference between prayer for daily bread and an investment prayer. Investment prayer is a seed that I sow today. And then I live in faith. Until the day of fruition. Knowing full well, this is the most important part. Knowing full well that I may not be around to see the day of fruition. But the prayer that I pray is on behalf of my children and their children and their children. The prayer that I pray is a legacy prayer. Do you know that you are a legacy? You are the result of the fruition. There were seeds that were sown, investment seeds. You are walking in the fruit of that because somebody prayed for your salvation. It may not have even been somebody in your direct line. It may not have even been somebody on this continent. Some, it may not have even been somebody in this age. But somebody, somewhere down the line, prayed and here you are today here you are today investment prayers that we would pray knowing that there are those who will benefit and I may not even be around to see them benefit but in heaven all of these things will be revealed and we will praise God because we will realize that we had our eyes on these miracles and it was like a, a series of miracles and we wanted the miracles and yes, let's do it and it's supernatural. But when God pulls back the veil and we recognize that our man, our entire existence was miraculous because look at the prayer that was prayed 2,000 years ago being bearing fruit today. And look at the seeds that we are sowing today that are going to bear fruit God knows when. Literally, God knows when. Will you be people who are willing to pray investment prayers? If you'll pray investment prayers, 
you will pray the heart of God. And if you will pray the heart of God, we will see miracles. Can we stand to our feet? Father, I want to pray for those in this room who are willing to do the work with me, with you, to see the miracles. Who are going to say yes to praying. That when we say, let's come together and pray, they're going to say, yes, let's do it. That when we say yes, when we say, let's, let's press in, let's press into the presence of God, they're going to say, yes, let's press in. Lord, would you move upon their hearts? Because those are the ones who are ready for the miracle. And Father, I pray for every single person here who is trusting you for breakthrough. Trusting you for a miracle. God of miracles, I pray that you would show yourself to be strong. And so every single person here who's trusting you for physical healing, I speak healing over you right now. That you would be supernaturally healed because it is your right. Thank you, Jesus. Every person who's trusting you for breakthrough, financial provision, I speak financial provision over you right now. Thank you, Father. Every person who's trusting for relational reconciliation, I speak reconciliation. Every person who's trusting you, Father, for broken marriage to be restored, I speak restoration over you. Thank you, Father. Every person who's standing in the gap for somebody on their sickbed right now, everybody who's standing in the gap for somebody in a hospital, somebody who couldn't come into church today because they are physically restricted, we break those bonds right now in Jesus' name. We stand together and we believe that your word is unrestricted by time and space. We speak to every person that who, who, for whom we're standing in the gap and we say, get up, get up, get up from your sickbed right now. Get up from your sickbed right now. We speak healing over our nation, Lord Jesus. We stand as priests over our nation. And where many have proclaimed doom, we say, no, your kingdom will prevail over this nation in Jesus' name. Where many have said it will fail, we say it will not, it will succeed. Where many have said we are going for a downturn, we say, no, we're going up. Where many have said this country is destined for poverty, we say no, it is destined for prosperity. And then we stand as, as kings and we say, let it be so. We speak prosperity. We speak healing over our nation. We speak forgiveness and reconciliation. We speak a united nation. We speak, Father, that we are a model for people to follow. We speak that we are a nation that provides for other nations. We speak, Father, that our neighborhoods are safe because you are present. We speak that our parliaments are redeemed and surrendered to you. We speak that our businesses do business according to a redeemed mindset. Said. We speak that our families are holy and submitted to you. We speak that our schools are teaching righteous education. We speak revival over every part of this nation. We stand and cast kings and we declare it. We speak no lack among us. No lack among us. None of us shall go to bed hungry. None of us in this community shall lack bread. That is what we declare 
as kings before you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.